Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. We have a special guest episode for you today with episode number 35. We bring you Blake Jameson, one of the top Project 2020 artists. Um, Blake's been pretty lucky with those magic numbers. He gets magic number 35 episode for us, and he was the artist behind uh, card number 100 in the Topps Project 2020, a Mike Trout collaboration with Ben Baller. Uh, many of you are familiar with what that card looks like because we've been posting it all week on our Instagram, and we've given away a copy every day this week. Um, we're very thankful uh, for Blake coming on and being so generous with his time, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you all for listening. This is awesome. I'm excited about this. Andrew, I, I told him, I'm like, you have to like hold me down here. I'm like, uh, oh, this, this is good stuff. <laughs> Let me get a quick introduction so everyone knows the players. Cage is pumped. Cage has been collecting cards since he was a kid. He, he was a big part of 2020, uh, Project 2020. Cage, so Andrew. A big part by buying a lot of them. If yeah. it is, it is a big <laughs> That's great. Helping the print runs out. <laughs> Appreciate awesome. that. Andrew and I, we worked at VaynerMedia together. A great guy, has a real eye for creative. He introduced us to Blake, who, you know, was an artist creative behind Project 2020. So I'm glad to bring us all here together. Well, Blake, I love it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on. We've had some pretty interesting guests for a podcast that is literally Monday will be a month for us. So awesome. Congratulations. But the, thanks. But the listener count, I mean, we have thousands of people listening already. I'm going to say it's, it's Andrew, but it's not. It's all me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of fun, but I really can't wait to chat with you. So, Andrew, why don't you kick us off and we'll just, you know, we'll chat. And, I mean, you, you, you know, Andrew doesn't know shit about baseball, so I'm going to be leading this, man. But we'll go wherever the hell you want. Trust me. <laughs> guys, guys, welcome back to another episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My. You know, every week we bring you five plays, five buying opportunities that we see in the market. And we also bring you a special guest. Uh, we scour the earth. We want to bring you people who have been in this industry, but, you know, they may see it from a different angle. So ideally they add value to you because that's what we care the most about. You know, we care about our community. We want to help them. Uh, and today we have a really, really special guest, Blake Jameson. Uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he yeah. is the artist behind Project 2020, the collab, the infamous collab with Tops. And I'm, I'm really glad to have you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's, this project has been absolutely so much more than I ever thought it would be. It's just so cool to be a part of. So How I'm guessing a lot of people, I'm guessing a lot of people are going to know about Project 2020, but just in case they don't, right? There's 20 different artists doing 20 yep. different cards. It's a 400 card set. We just hit the midway point. We just hit card 200 on it. Um, you know, Blake has done some of the more iconic ones, in my opinion. Um, you know, and you still got Jeter and Griffey, Right. remaining on yours i think if i'm yeah. so we're gonna have some yeah. fun ones coming out so i'll be buying them trust me um <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I, i'm sure a lot of the listeners know what about 2020 but i'm sure a lot of them don't um yep. and i think andrew you were about to ask like you know how how'd blake get into this and i guess that's going to take us to barcelona right that's right <laughs> yeah so i actually worked in digital marketing for a decade after college and worked with a lot of awesome clients and that was creatively stimulating enough for a long time. But on my 30th birthday, I decided that it just wasn't, wasn't enough. I didn't want to live my life looking forward to Fridays and dreading Mondays. And so I quit that job. And at the time, I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do next. And I took this five-week trip to Barcelona, Spain. And while there, um, I took this graffiti and street art walking tour through the city. And the city has just amazing history with street art and has attracted 
you know, some of the top artists from all around the world. And, and street art specifically is something that's always kind of interested me. And after that tour, I got back to my hostel in Barcelona and across the street, there was a paint store. And I saw that and I was like, all right, it's a sign. I, I went and bought some paint and I started actually painting like out in the streets. And that was like, you know, thrilling in its own way and, and super fun. And I met some local artists there that were very, kind of gave me a lot of p positive feedback, which I think is important when you're getting into something new. I had created for fun, like as a hobby my whole life, but never really taken it very seriously. So I think I just got the nudge that I needed to, you know, I guess, make the leap. And so when I got back to the US, I decided that that's what I wanted to do professionally and I could use my digital marketing experience to kind of promote and build my own brand. And it's been awesome. So it's been five years now. And the fact that five years into my art career, I'm collaborating with an iconic temp company like Tops is like I said, it's like a dream come true. So never did any art stuff before that Barcelona trip. You just, uh, so, you know, you picked up, uh, you picked up the next to the hostel. There's an art supply store and you just get pick it up and say, all right, now I'm going to do this. I mean, no, nothing. So no, it wasn't nothing. Like I've always liked making art. I've liked photography, painting, uh, all, all types of art. And my parents actually, I grew up in a very creative household. My mom is an artist. She makes these beautiful mosaics and mixed media pieces. My dad's an art collector. So they were actually encouraging me to go to art school and encouraging me to create. I kind of shied away from that because I didn't think it was a viable career path and thought studying economics and going into marketing was like the safe route. But turns out the safe route's not really any fun. <laughs> so it's funny, Blake, I'm just going to like an aside for you. Maybe you'll get a kick out of this too. As far as our guests go, right? So yeah. I think our podcast has almost a theme of that, right? And I'd love for our listeners to hear that the traditional path is not always the right one. And, right. you know, there's a viable path out there that you might not think automatically. So our last guest, Buster, who's got, I don't know, millions of followers, he's, yeah. uh, he's not even 20 yet, you know I mean? And he's a guy who said, you know what, I, I, I love sports and I want to be a sportscaster. I want to open these things up. And obviously, you know, if somebody would have been in his ear and told him, you can't do this, think of how different his life would be. You know, before that, we had a kid on who's in high school, who's, uh, Rips Cards. And he's got a seven-figure basketball card collection because he said, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to, I want to start buying Giannis. I want to start doing this. He did a little research. And instead of doing day trading, he, you know, he, that's what he did. It with Jeremy Padoweron, who, you know, who basically runs toy companies. And he decided that instead of going to law school and sitting through classes like I did, he was going to buy domain names when the internet squatting stuff became big. And, and you know, he was selling, you know, selling you know, millions of dollars worth of donate, domain names. So it's funny. Our guests always seem to gravitate to this, right? It's the traditional path that that might not be the right path for you. And I, I'd love for you to tell that story. That's great. And I'd love for our listeners to hear it because, you know, I went through a traditional path and you know what I got out of it? Student loans that I'm still paying. Yeah. So, it is what it is, man. You know, so I love hearing that. And, and I also love hearing that your parents are supporting because, look, my dad's no longer with me, but my dad's the one that got me into cards. And I, I'm carrying that back down to my son. I got back into this because I'm trying to share it with my son. And uh, you know, I really love hearing that. And it's cool, right? I mean, you came back and it's nice to have a barn to be able yeah. to do your artwork in, right? That's right. That's right. No, I love it, man. You did your homework. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, your stuff is great, right? I mean, your stuff, I love it. I, I mean, and I will give you credit. I might as well just jump into it because the way I did Project 2020, and I'm, I'm a Yankee fan. I'm in New York. You can't tell. I mean, this accent is more, you know, it's yeah. Texas, right? But in any event, right, there's no Brooklyn here. So, uh, so you know, I love Griffey. Griffey was like, that was the trout for me, right? Griffey was the guy. And I love Jeter. Um, and so I was buying the Griffey, the Trouts and the Jeters. 
Mm-hmm. So I only bought Griffey, only bought Trout, only bought Jeter. But so like the Ermsey Trout was a cool one to buy, right? I mean, that was yeah. like, hey, I was smart, right? Yeah. So, so the only one that I bought, the only one I bought that was not a Griffey or a Trout. Yeah. I bought one for each of my kids. You nice. recognize that? Yeah. You recognize, I love it. recognize the McGuire? That's a gorgeous card. Gorgeous Thank card. Thank you. I mean, just an amazing card. Now, so, so talk to me about that card. Talk to me about like the, the impetus behind it, you know, the, the, the background of it. And, you know, if it's not going to get you too emotional, you're going to tie in your dad. Yeah, no, of course, man. Um, yeah, so I grew up uh, just north of San Francisco. My dad and I had season tickets to the A's. And so when Mark McGuire was kind of coming up, he was still in the minors, but he was also playing on Team USA. And so there's that iconic tops Team USA card that was like my most prized possession as a kid. And we were actually driving at the time when he was on Team USA, we're driving down in San Diego. So like 400 miles south of like where he was playing. And and even then he was in the minors and we happened to like be driving side by side by him on the freeway. And so my parents were like waving at him and he thought like, he's like, oh, maybe I have a flat tire or something. And then they started (laughs) waving an A's hat and he's like, oh, okay, cool. And like, you know, knew that they were fans. And then we, we caught up with him at spring training in, I believe it was in Arizona after that. And my dad talked to him and said, hey, we were the ones on the freeway waving the hat at you. So he called us this freeway fans. <laughs> so like just having like, you know, even sometimes as a kid, like just those tiny interactions and tiny moments is enough to like get you dialed in on someone and just oh, yeah. like idolizing them. And then obviously like when he got called up, you know, his rookie season, you know, breaking the home run. He's rookie a monster, record, like, yeah. yeah, he's a monster. So he was a lot of fun to watch. So like there, it's not even there's no close second. He's my favorite sport like athlete of all time. And nobody holds a candle to him. And so obviously when I was making the tops card, our reference card was the 87 uh, rookie card where he's in the A's jersey. I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a nod to the Team USA card from 85. So I did the jersey swap, put the flag in the background, but still kept the wood background or wood border. So I thought it was a really fun kind of blending of the two cards. It's amazing. And if you don't have it, go get him. I don't know what these things are selling for anymore. Because, and we could talk about the Project 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hills of Actually, they're really reasonable right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, which is awesome. And Blake, you have some on your site still available? I know you do your site, right? So if people uh, yeah, want to so, buy something from you? Yeah, so proathleteportraits.com is my site where I sell um, autographed cards in mm-hmm. limited quantities. The Mark McGuire's are sold out. Uh, that card also ended up on the cover of Beckett. Wow. for the july issue in fact uh i mean talk the, about a july card i mean i don't know if you're thinking yeah. about the timing of it right no, no, it was, it was it's amazing like, yeah for fourth of july it was it was so cool and so oh it's taped up there all right don't worry about it um <laughs> rip it, it off rip it off the wall this, come on this is my podcast here rip it no, i'm just kidding you don't have to rip it yeah, off the wall. hilarious all right <laughs> he's ripping it off yes so yeah i mean it was just kind of crazy how it all worked also like with the the momentum of the project like the project got covered and like my art got covered on ESPN, Beckett and MLB.com all within the span of like, there it is. Oh, that's gorgeous. Look at that. Yeah. So, and it, and it's so cool. I mean, literally on the Beckett, it says Blake James and tops project 2020, which is just, which is bananas. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't seen this card, right. We'll, we'll, we'll post a picture of it too, because I mean, there are probably some people on here. I got Pokemon fans that are getting into cards and, you know, we got other sports. Okay. We'll post a picture of the card. It is an amazing card. And, and Thank it's you. exactly, if I were, would have drawn the Maguire, if they said to me, Hey, Maguire, you know, uh, everybody else said the 87 tops. Right. And that's, that's iconic in and of itself. Right. The wood border on the card. I remember collecting that as a kid. It's the cool. first set that I collated myself through packs. 
built mm-hmm. the set, the 792 card top set, you name it. Right. And the fire was huge, but it yep. wasn't a rookie. It was, it wasn't. I mean, there was yep. always that 85 Olympic team that was the cool Maguire card to have. Like, if you had the 87 tops, that was cool. But if you were the kid on the block that had the 85 tops with the Olympic team, all right, you were collecting cards. And you managed to combine them into one card, which yeah. that's the card I've needed for the last 35 years and didn't know. So, you know? I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was so crazy. And, like, also with all the press and just, like, the momentum of the project, uh, Mark McGuire was actually browsing MLB.com the day that my article hit. And he saw the article, followed a link to the YouTube video where I told the story about the Freeway fans. There you go. Remembered us. And so he, like, sent me an email. The day that the card released, I got an email from Mark. And he's like, hey, you want to jump on a phone call? So, like, we had a 20-minute phone call. And you call. said no. You said no, no. I mean, I'm beyond this now. Yeah. Busy. Uh, <laughs> No, it's great. And it's also cool. Like, you know, you, you sometimes grow up idolizing someone as a kid and then you might meet them down the road and, and it could be a letdown if you have a poor experience or they're not who you hope they were. And like, he's just, he was so nice and patient and like, just, it was awesome. It was so cool that he lived up to like all my expectations and uh, just super nice dude. Yeah. I mean, well, listen, that's great when it happens. I mean, it was a dream of mine to meet Andrew and do this podcast and when i finally met him i was really let down so you didn't let him get a word in actually when you met me <laughs> like what was it like what, what did your family say when, when they saw that article right like here you are you take a chance on yourself go to barcelona i, I love street art myself thank you but this project and almost overnight right you, you you're on you're on the front page yeah what was that like what, what i have two questions what did your friends and you know like the the mm-hmm. outside circle say and what did the people closest to you say so, my, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up in such a creative household that they've always been like, they've always believed in me. And so that. it was kind of like, they were like, I told you so. <laughs> like, like, yeah. you know, they, like, which is, which is crazy. Cause usually that's like when they do, you know, do something bad. And then they're like, I told you so. It's like, they, they were like super supportive and just like, not, didn't seem surprised, um, which is awesome. I also live stream on YouTube every night, Monday through 10, Friday. 10.23 p.m. 10.23 p.m. Now you got to tell me why 10.23 because it's, everybody remembers it instead of 10.30. What's the story? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a handful of number, handful of reasons. 10.23 is my, uh, 23 is my favorite number. From 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. are my most creative hours where I usually do most of my best painting work. And also during COVID, there were so many live streams popping up and DJs and artists and musicians and all kinds of stuff. And those were all kind of like the after work hours uh, of like, you know, six to 10. And that was like very, it was a crowded space. And then also the last thing is like, it's just memorable. If I tell people 10, they might show up at 10, 15 or 10, 30. If I say 10, 23, they show up on time. So it's kind of the perfect storm and it's been awesome. And like with my parents, like this is a whole family affair now, literally every single night, Monday through Friday, my dad's on the stream. My mom's on the stream on a separate computer so that she can write her own comments. My sister's on the stream with my niece and nephew. Like, it's so cool, the community that we've built. Um, you know, the hobby community is just a, such a cool group of people. And they're like, they love it. And, and I'm able to give them a little bit of a look behind the curtain. I'll paint the tops cards sometimes live on the stream. I'll do versions and let, let the fans decide which one to submit to wow. top. So they can kind of have a say. And it's every that. night. This guy is like a clock. It's fun. So it's fun. You did say something fun. We'll get to the, how the hobby family's great, but you said, you know, the hobby family's great. Everybody's great. Now I got to get you to tell a story, right? So not everybody's great. Yeah. Right. When you get a little fame, you get a little like your name is on the cover of Beckett and Mark sure. McGuire is calling you to, to, you know, hang out with you. And, you know, you guys are going to go eat a Big Mac together. But so. <laughs> not everybody, not everybody loves your stuff and you get trolls. Sure. And sure. tell me how, 
you can handle a troll with a Ronald Acuna card. Tell that story. Uh, yeah. So, and that was, I mean, that's just one example of many, but yeah, I think that like, there's, there's a lot of trolls on, it's really easy to be kind of brave behind a keyboard. And I think a couple things, number one, if I don't have any trolls or any hate about my art, then I don't think it's polarizing enough. And if everyone just agrees that the art is like, okay, then it's like really boring. That's right. And so I love when art starts a discussion and I don't care if part of that discussion is negative. Uh, I really do appreciate people's feedback. If they don't like a certain thing about a card, I will listen to them. It doesn't mean I'm going to change the next time, but I will kind of take that into account. Um, and yeah, I mean, we had a guy on Twitter that was just basically calling it like, I don't know, barf 2020 or something. I don't know. <laughs> he was just like, you know, making like jokes about how he hated tops 2020. And I just, was, said, it, Darren, was it Darren Ravel by any chance? <laughs> no, but we did get into it on Twitter as well. Um, uh, no, it's just this, this dude on Twitter and he, and I was like, okay, well, I appreciate your input. Um, and I don't even remember exactly like what I said, but I was like, oh, who's your favorite player? And he told me, and I was like, all right, I'm going to send you some cards of Acuna. And then I'm also going to send you some of the project 2020 cards just so you can see what they look like. Cause I think they also look to me most of the time more impressive in hand than on the site. hundred percent, hundred percent. There are a couple exceptions to that because Tops did a, a, the same finish on every card, and there's some that would have looked really cool if they were refractor or chrome cards. Those ones are can be a little underwhelming in hand, but in general, I think that when people see the cards in hand, they get a little bit more understanding of the project. And so I sent him a couple cards, and then I mean, he's one of my biggest advocates now. He sees, yes. you know, he sees people, other people like might be talking crap, and he's jumping in, being like, "Don't you do? Don't you say anything bad to Blake?" He's Another just, good lesson, right? A good lesson about our hobby, about our what we do here, right? I mean, you know, yeah. not everyone's gonna love you, but look what you did. You know, you turn yeah. you turn a hater into a fan, which is pretty impressive. But you, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot for a second because you said something that is gonna lead me to a question. You yeah. said, you know, you want your stuff to be controversial, and you'll take that that guidance, and you know, you might not change. I might be wrong. But, and remember, I was in Project 2020. We could talk about it. I don't know whether you, you know, whether you even know what happened with the prices and the whole oh, secondary yeah. market. But, yeah. but I could be wrong, but I saw your first work, which was Nolan Ryan, yep. right? And man, please don't hang up on me. But that was a little vanilla compared to the other stuff that you've done so far. Sure. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm a lawyer and you're not right. supposed to ask questions you don't know the answer to ahead of time, but yeah. I have a feeling yeah. I'll bet that you did make some changes to your thought process on the project 2020 after that, because your cards become, they're much more vibrant. Like there's much more to them after that Nolan Ryan. And maybe it was because tops didn't give you a lot of guidance or, yeah. you know, you were kind of like keeping the shackles on. And then you saw, I mean, that Ermsey was insane. Uh, yeah. But maybe you saw some of the other artists and were like, wow, if yeah. I could take some liberties, let me, let me show them what I got. Am, am I yeah. hitting on something by any chance? Yeah. So a little bit. So I actually, that Nolan Ryan that was released was my second Nolan Ryan. Yep. And I felt like the first one I did was vanilla. Yeah. Plain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I saw when Tops actually is located in New York. So they came to my studio while I was painting my first Nolan Ryan card and they were filming it and doing a little interview for some digital content. And while they were here, they showed me some of the cards that other artists have made and the Ermsey Trout was one of them. And that, that like blew my mind, like how far people could push the card. When I saw that, I was like, that's insane. It looks like spaghetti yeah. flying out of his stomach. It's like the weirdest thing in the world. I know. I, I love it. I love, that's one of my favorite cards. And definitely to me, like one of the iconic cards in the set. Um, so yeah, that inspired me. And so I took another stab at Nolan and I think it was still, um, the cards have evolved. Yep. And not just for me, I think for all the artists, like we're all, 
pushing ourselves, pushing each other, motivating each other to kind of push our boundaries. Um, at least like I, I think a lot of the artists are. And so if we look at like the first card of most artists all the way to like where we're at now, which was we're pretty much all at card number 10. Um, it's really fun to see that evolution. I can definitely see it in my work. And, and part of that is from getting more comfortable in the project and like getting this positive feedback from fans. And it's also getting inspired by other artists. And um, yeah, it's just, it's a really fun process. Have you paid any attention to kind of the secondary marketing on it at all? Obviously with the commentary, but I mean, I yeah. personally, I can tell you my story on it, which is a good one, but I don't think most of them, most people yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, so I used to, and uh, it was fascinating. I mean, it's so crazy to see a card selling for 20 bucks. As many as are ordered are getting printed. Like you could eat, anyone can get it and they can order in any quantity they want. And then as soon as the sale ends, it's like a $200 card yep. or, or more, you know, sometimes a yeah. lot more than that. So that was like really crazy. And then, you know, it's been a roller coaster. It's gone up, it's gone down. And I kind of stopped paying attention to the secondary market because I realized that like, whatever the secondary market is, I don't want that to affect the art that I'm making. I want to make yep. the art that I want to make. And yep. so because of that, I've stopped kind of monitoring it. However, because we're kind of in a, a spot now where like the prices are pretty reasonable, I'm still going back and buying Nolan Ryan's, Don Mattingly's. Uh, those are the my first two cards that I didn't order as much as I wish I had. Everything else, yes. uh, Jackie and beyond, I have a pretty decent stash of. And uh, yeah, I just wish I had more of the early cards. So I'm actually very glad that the prices are down right now because I'm scooping up as many of my early cards as I possibly can. Yeah, the, the Jackie is one of my one of my good friends' favorite car. I'll mention it. Uh, the Jackie Robbins, that's his favorite. And they, this guy is, you know, he's a, he buys you Ted Williams stuff. He buys you buy a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, well, so it, go ahead. Yeah, you so, something? Well, I mean, if we think about it, when COVID hit, none of us knew that the market for sports cards would be like this. Totally. So like timing is such an interesting thing. The secondary market, you can't put that on tops or the artists in a lot of ways, because we thought in March when COVID first hit, the cards would be the last thing to have in mind. Totally. People were sold for a week and then it just exploded. Mm -hmm. For the people, you know, our fans out there who, you know, they followed Project 2020 a little bit, but not a ton. What was like the timeline on this, right? Did they approach you in January of 2020? Did they approach you last year and there was some kind of development? Give us yeah. like a quick rundown for, for the novices. You know, Cage, yeah. Cage buys every card on the market. <laughs> I tried to. Yeah, I, if I recall, I, I think they actually approached us about a year ago in August. And uh, there was a little bit of, you know, contract negotiation back and forth uh, through September, October. Got it, got it locked in, but like I was under pretty strict NDA and I couldn't talk about the project at all until it launched. They wanted to, you know, break the news with, you know, their press release. And so that was like really tough of like being so excited to be doing this thing. But also like at that point, I didn't know what the other, who the other artists were. I didn't know uh, which cards we were going to be creating yet. So it was just kind of like, I just knew I was working on something with tops. And I also just had no idea the scope of like how big this project would get you know, and how popular. So one day business schools are going to teach a class on this. I guarantee you that the yeah. project 2020 bubble boom, you name it. It's yeah. going to be an, an economics class. I Wharton, I mean, the Netflix you, documentary. Oh, I, it, it can't it be, There were people counting their fortunes on this stuff. And I don't want to get too heavy into it with you because people, if, if they hear you're on here, they're going to listen. And it's, you know, those cards, I mean, and it also, it became a huge thing with eBay. 
right? Because eBay was the place to sell your stuff. I mean, it still is the biggest marketplace in the world, right? But but not just you, any any artist. But I mean, to use like you know some of the card that Trout Ermsey was thousands of dollars. I mean, thousands of dollars. You know, some of the first cards, the Ichiro number one. I mean, you're talking about thousands of dollars. Um, mm-hmm. My personal one. I mean, you know, I buy the Griffies and the Jeters, but I mean, there was one that I sold. I bought ten of, and I, I sold a few of the the Jeter grotesque which okay. was, you know, green border. And it was, you know, I mean, I bought them for, like you said, 20 bucks. I was buying bulk. They were $15, you believe it or not. If you buy 10 from Tops, they're less money. Um, and you're right. I mean, as a pre-sale, because Tops takes months to send these things out, right? Um, we, I was selling them 200 300 $600 a card for these things. I mean, it's just insane. And, you know, people were, you know, counting, I got all this stuff, you know, I'm, going, you know, I'm buying a house and then, and then but then what happened was shipping delays and the, then pre- the price changes the, and then they want the refund. So Memorial Day weekend, you know it obviously. Memorial yeah. Day weekend was like the pinnacle and then after that it was like everybody didn't want the cards anymore. And it was just crazy how and, yeah. and everybody's like I'm not taking it and I mean it was just it went up and came down. I mean it's like yeah. the laws of gravity, right? We had the whole deal. And Lucky for me, I mean, I bought most of these things for my kids. You know, I built like sets of them. I have two, two, two kids. I was buying for them. I have hundreds of these in my basement. You know, so it's yeah. great stuff. I wish Tops, I'm not a crab on them at all because I know you want to collaborate with them in the future. But I wish they could figure out the logistics of it. I think they have a logistic company doing it. But what number? So I want to get into this specific card and how we got the collaboration with you and Ben Bola. But what number was your trout? My trout was number one hundred. One hundred, right? Number yep. 100. So yep. what card are we up to right now? 200. Yep. Right? I think the Mariano and, and Jeter that are up on the site now, is it's 200. I yep. got this in the mail today. So you can't – you can see it because we got a video. So this is my tops delivery in the mail today, literally yep. this morning. Great timing, Andrew, for having Blake on today. There you go. I'm going to open this up, right? They're in the bubble wrap. Oh, I hope you get the gold. So this is – So um, as they're opening, can, can I just tell you from my standpoint? Yep. Like I didn't buy a single one of these cards. For me, it comes off more as art. So I don't know which angle you see it from. Like in the beginning, you mentioned street art. When I went to London, there's free walking tours of street art in, uh, I think it's East London, Tottenham. And I think one of the best ways to see a city. So when I saw that, saw your cards, saw the creative, to me, it wasn't investment. It wasn't money. Plenty of money to be made in other spaces. It was, this is cool. This reminds me of Jordan and Dior, you know, when they collab. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it came off from that angle. I wasn't in all of that May 31st, whatever Memorial yeah. Day. So yeah. that's how I saw it. Yeah. Kate, what'd you pull over there? This is card number 100. On the day they're releasing number 200, card yeah. number 100 is finally in my hands. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing, right? When you're buying these things, you have to bake all of that in, right? Now, this card, so Tops, if you're listening to this, because I know you listen to every word that I say, Tops. Um, you got to figure out a way to get these in people's hands quicker because I mean, that's just the deal. So it's not gold bordered. Talk about how, and I'm going to use the slang, right? How did Ben Bowler do the bling? How'd that collaboration come together? Sure. On this one? Yeah. So Ben and I met through this project. Uh, and it's actually funny. If you look back, we, we kind of started with a little bit of Twitter beef, but it was kind of a misunderstanding. Um, but that's okay. And uh, we got past it and became friends through the project and just started, you know, talking and uh, every so often sharing our process a little bit, sending cards to get feedback from each other. And so I had sent, um, he knew that my trout was coming up next and he was like dying. He's like, come on, let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. And I was like, I don't know. It's not, not quite done. 
I, I don't know. I need it needs something else. I just don't know what because I knew that Trout had to be special. Um, you know, only current player in the set, most popular player, super iconic. So I sent him the card, and he's like, "You trust me?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Let me do some. Let me do something with it for you." I was like, "Okay." He's like, "Send me the you know the Photoshop file." And so, um, yeah, I mean, he basically offered to like bling it out. And like when Ben Baller offers to bling out your card, you definitely, you know, you say yes. So I cleared it with tops. I went. I was just going to ask that. Yeah. How quickly did you call tops? (laughs) Very very, like same day, like immediately. I was like, hey, Jeff, I have this, you know, we have this idea and I think it would be really cool. And like, you know, and surprise, I I thought that they were going to push back on it because other artists then would be like, oh, you know, I don't know, whatever. They're like, he's. Tops gives us a lot of freedom uh, to do stuff like that. And Good. so they were open-minded about it. They let it happen. They also helped uh, position it as card number 100, which is kind of an iconic, you know, yeah. milestone. Just like 200 was the Jeter by Tyson Beck, which is absolutely gorgeous. I think yeah, it's a great card so far. So, yeah, it was just like, uh, I'm just lucky, man. I'm in the right place at the right time. The whole box full of them right there. You can't gold. see them. That's I hope it. You get the gold. So I cannot open them with you guys unless I get my son in here, but he will kill me. That's part. It's like part of the opening, right? It's, it's fine. My son, if he if it's a gold, he's got to open it. He's like, did you yeah. open those without me? Forget it. He won't let me. Yeah. Go And there's autos in these too, right? Yeah. Dude, look at that. That is nice. And so – That one's number two. Wow. People – People can send these to you, right? You'll do a black ink auto on it? Correct, yeah. So I'll do black ink autos um, for anyone for free, as long as they cover the shipping to and from. And I'll do a maximum of two for free for each player, but three for Trout because Trout had such a high print run. So I know that people were buying Trouts in bulk. So I'll do three Trouts for free, two of everything else for free. Uh, And then I also sell colored autos that are like limited numbers. So we did like Trout out of 27, Trout out of 99, uh, and those are all in different colors. And those are all on your website? They are, yes. Yeah. Proathletportraits.com. Proathletportraits.com. And you get, you know, listen, you might have to do a second print run of the Maguires if you're really telling me that none of those I are know, available. Man, because I, I didn't get one. You might have to, you might have to, there's demand for it. I can tell you right here. So you might have to do a second run of the Maguire ones because yeah. I, I, I missed out on those. But yeah, so the, the Ben Bowl, that 100th anniversary, that's cool. If I'm, if, if I'm right, that's the second highest print run of all of them, right? Correct. Yeah. Just behind uh, Keith Shores, Ken Griffey. Oh, I don't want to start a Twitter beef. What do you think of Keith Shores artwork? Uh, honestly, it's grown on me a lot. I like uh-huh. it. I think that like, again, we get back to polar polarizing. He is polarized. Like some people love it. Some people hate it. And that's exactly where I think an artist wants to be. Um, I love the simplicity. I love the bright colors. Um, yeah, I just, it's also like, something as an artist that can be very challenging when you're developing your style is coming up with something that's different enough from everybody else that people see it and they know it's your work. Yep. And it took me a long time to get to a point where I'm close. I, I still think like someone like Keith Shore or Ermsey, they have that so dialed in, like there's no mistaking them with anyone else. Um, whereas, like, I'm going to read you a text, right? So this is one of my friends who also buys, and he loves your Jackie Robinson one. This is the same yeah. guy, right? He texted me this this yeah. morning. He texted me yesterday when the uh, when the Keith Shore one that just came out, right? The Keith yeah. Shore's out. He goes, oh, he's going to kick my ass for reading this, but whatever. Keith Shore, you're not going to know his name, so you can't hunt them down, right? But it, so actually, it's probably worse for Old Man Allen and Fucci. But I'll read it anyway, guys, because I love doing this shit. It says, how did Keith Shore go from the most shit part of Project 2020? Well, Fucci and Old Man Allen, but they don't even deserve to be mentioned. 
to the most entertaining part of it. So it's exactly what you said, right? Like right. he's grown on you, right? right? And here's right. a guy who, who, I mean, when Keith Shaw's stuff used to come out, we were like, what is that? And now he's like, I'm buying it. He's like, yeah. this is great. I'm buying yeah. the car, which is cool. And guess what? That's art, right? Yeah, isn't that strawberry in there holding the strawberry? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it's art. Um, and honestly, like, I think, I feel the same way about Fuji and Old Man Allen. Like they've grown on me a lot. I think part of the project, like when everybody had just released one card, we didn't know the artist's styles yet. We just kind of saw this mishmash of stuff and it was really hard to come up with the concept. And so if we look at like the popularity of the project, the first 20 cards were not that popular until everyone started putting out a second card and you started seeing two Fuchis, two Blake Jamesons, two, oh, yeah. you know. And it looks good together. To see how it was gonna happen like cohesively. And then we also end up with like two Jackie Robinsons interpreted totally different by different players and you put them next to each other and you can start to see, okay, this set's gonna be really interesting. And there's so many different ways to collect it. You can do it by player. You can do it by artist. Uh, you know, it's it's so much fun. So it's funny. If somebody would ask me about Project 2020 and they'd say, you know, what would you buy now? What would you deal with? And uh, guys, it's art. So any other artist, you can come on my show too. Don't be mad at me. Sorry, but I'm going to tell you, it's art, right? It's in the eye of the beholder, right? It's the, right. the whole deal. So it, I, would, I would tell people it's two ways. Number one, I would tell them, if you like the art, buy Blake's cards. Cause that like the trout, the Maguire, I mean, those cards are just, they're, they're beautiful. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous cards. But if you want to buy the cards that I think might be the ones you want to hold, it's old man Allen, believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, Rivera, people hated that thing so much that right. I think they a thousand of them. Yeah. They're just over a thousand cards, which by the way, there's something to be said about scarcity, right? Of so course. Of course. Yeah. Like the ones that there are none of, they're going to have some value. And that wasn't one of the first 20. I think it was in the fifties, the old man yeah. Allen. Mary yep. Allen. Let so, me ask you, and I think you'll appreciate this, Blake. So, so when you do street art, right, you, you don't, you, you pour your heart into it. You have a message. You want to tell a story, but you don't sure. get any feedback there, right? You don't know what the, the viewer's thinking. Going into this project, how did you, knowing you're going to get so much feedback, it's going to be so polarizing. You're going to get so much critique and so much love. You know, how do you keep your creative integrity and keep your mind clean? Right? Like going on Twitter, it could pollute your mind. You, you, you almost lose, you know, am I doing the right thing? Do you question yourself? I'm yeah. interested. How do you keep that purity? How do you keep that integrity uh, knowing you're going to get the critique? Yeah. So a couple of things. So going into the project, my expectation, and I didn't really have anything to base it on. It was just my like, I don't know, gut feeling. I thought that print runs were going to be 200 on the low end and 2000 on the high end. Like I literally was hoping okay, I hope my Mike Trout does 2,000. I hope my Jeter does 2,000. I hope some of the other less popular players hit at least 200. That was like, whatever I had convinced in my head, like that would, that would be successful to me. And obviously we are long past that. And so that's like humbling and, and really cool. And also like, honestly, like I'm running a business and I get a royalty. So like the higher the print run, the more money I make, which is great, which I can reinvest into my art. So those expectations were smashed. As far as dealing with like the, the, whether it's critique or positive reinforcement or anything. I mean, as an artist, you always deal with that anyways. It's just amplified a little bit more with the, with the project. So I've been painting professional athletes for two, three years now. I've painted about 400 NFL players and a couple dozen uh, players in other sports. So like I'd already been sharing that type of work online and I definitely don't have the type of audience and reach that Tops has uh, afforded me before the project but I did have a decent following. So like I've always been dealing with people not liking my work or people really liking my work or somewhere in between. And so like, 
I've just, I think as an artist, it's important to like pay attention, but also never give anything too much importance, both with praise and with criticism. Uh, and so I've just tried to keep that mindset as everything scales up through tops. And do you, do you get a chance to say, like have an input on the print run or is it sold out and tops just decides are we going to print more? No, the no, print no. run, right. It's, it's just available. It's available for 48 hours. As many as they want to print, they print. Yep. And so like the art, us artists buy our own cards from tops, just like everyone else. So yeah. we buy, we choose to buy however many we want. So like, it's also interesting with the print runs, like you mentioned with the scarcity stuff is like, when I have a card that has a low print run, it is less royalties for me, but it also means that the secondary market or the value down the road is, is valuable too. So like, I'm always incentivized to like buy as many cards of mine as I can afford, because even if it's a low print run card, then I end up with a bunch of a low print run that's worth a lot of money. And then if it's a high print run or a high demand card, like a Trout or a Jeter, then I've got a bunch of them that I can autograph and sell, you know, signed autos of. So it's really like a win-win situation. But in terms of the print runs, we got no say on it beyond like, if I go buy 250 cards or 500 <laughs> cards, that's added to the print run. Um, but once that 48 hour buying window ends, that's all that's printed and the print runs released and it'll never be printed again. It's awesome. That's great stuff. So if, given a chance to collaborate with another artist on card number. They're not going to give you another hundred, man. They gave you the hundred. You're not getting two, three or, or four. <laughs> you can lobby for it. Tyson get number two. Yeah, Tyson, yeah. Tyson got 200 with the Jeter was awesome. So Would actually, you? speaking of collaborations, I actually had FDOT, uh, who's a Brooklyn artist. I'm in Long Island City. He came to my studio yesterday and we painted all evening. And then we did on the live stream, we released a collaboration print that was actually a print of Babe Ruth. And so wow. I did a portrait of Babe Ruth and then he did his blob character. So we called it blob Ruth and uh, it was fun. And, and we did a limited edition of 25 uh, dual sign prints, which sold out very quickly. And then we have a couple other prints, uh, small and a large print that are just print on demand available on the site. And so that collaboration was so much fun. It, it was literally like that happened like, you know, 12 hours ago. And, I would love to do that as much as possible. Fortunately, there's there's a handful of artists that are all in the New York area. Andrew Thiel's in the area, JK5's in the area. Sophia Chang is from Queens. Um, I don't know if she makes it back here. Uh, Gregory Siff is also from New York. Uh, I love yeah. his work. Thiel's Jeter was the one that came out the same day as your uh, Maguire. I bought yeah. a bunch of pairs of those. Yeah. I yeah, boxes, yeah. boxes yeah. of those. Yeah. That's a great Jeter too. That's really yeah. nice. Oh man. And that's actually something that people don't realize too, that can impact the print runs is like who you're paired, what you're paired with. Oh yeah. So getting paired with a really nice Jeter card with the Maguire, I think definitely helped because more people wanted to buy two packs. hundred percent. Same thing. I'm with, one of them. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I think uh, when I had a drop with Ben Baller, um, was that Ben Baller recently? Or I think we swapped days. I don't know. It's, it's just like, it's, it's really interesting looking at like, even like the day of the week, like mm -hmm. Monday cards, Tuesday cards tend to do really well Yep. versus like Thursday, Friday cards. People are starting to get burnt out. They've already spent some of their budget for the week. They go into the weekend, they have two days without cards and then they're like fiending again on Monday. So yep. like the ideal situation would be like dropping like a popular player, like a Jeter or Griffey on a Monday with either another popular artist or another popular player. That's like the recipe for like the perfect. Uh, Amazing. Run. You have it down, right? It's like, I want this. I want my Griffey on a Monday and I want to drop with Ben Bowler's doing his on another yeah. popular guy and boom, there's right. my print run. That would be, that would be money.
So yeah. you guys um, who are listening, we don't have video to this. We're all podcast. You don't see, but a friend of mine introduced us. He put us together. Mm -hmm. uh, we both come from the Gary Vaynerchuk umbrella. Yep. And, and you know, in this space, you find kind of three different types of people. You find people who are in the sports card market to make money. Yep. Sports card market for the collectible and sports card market for the creativity. So sure. Andrew Chu, uh, he's on camera, but he hasn't been uh, in this episode just yet. I want to bring him in because he put us together. He has an amazing account called random underscore autographs. How did you guys meet? Yeah. Uh, so basically met like because of Vayner. So a friend of mine that I worked with, I don't know if you remember. So he actually is um, a YouTuber and he got invited to one of Gary's events with um, influencers. Nice. So he took me there and we met Blake's girlfriend and she invited us to uh, an event that she was DJing like a few nights. Like she's like, Hey, like Thursday night, I'm doing this event. You guys should come by. We come by, Blake introduces himself. He's like, I'm an artist. And I was like, dude, this is so awesome. Cause like, mm -hmm. I, I always painted on the side and like, it's like my goal to one day be an artist. And like, I was like, I will like come by your studio. I will help you clean and sweep the floors, like whatever it is you want to do. Like I will help you. I just want to like learn. Like, do um, you uh, don't you think Andrew is an artist really out of the heart? Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, look, it's art, art. That's like facial hair art too going on here. Look, <laughs> yeah. at, look at this guy. He's a work of art himself. Amazing yeah. stuff. Listen, but I, I'm having a lot of fun. So I don't know if you could tell. I'm a fan. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I love it too. Yeah, man. So look, did, he's I gotta, like a kid in a candy store. To be I honest. am a kid. I'm he's a kid, a kid in a candy store. He loves sports cards. He, re, you got to understand. You know, Cage. He has a young son, and, and they rip packs together. They collect together. I think there's this beauty in the hobby. You you brought it up earlier, Blake, about the community. That's mm -hmm. really the beauty. Like parents who collected in the early '90s, mm -hmm. bringing their kids into the hobby. Mm -hmm. uh, having an experience, you know, it's so hard to connect with people these days, right? Kids are on their phones, they're watching TV, they're on Netflix, they're constantly bombarded. Right. And parents struggle to find that connection point with their kids. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that part of the hobby. I don't have kids, but I see it. I'd love to talk about that a little bit because I think what you've done is you've created artwork uh, and added it to, to a hobby that's been primarily just, maybe I'm wrong here, financially focused the last six seven months has been like how can i find the right card the right horse in the race to to flip sure yeah i mean it's it's awesome and it's cool because like i was the kid that grew up collecting with my dad so right. we were going to the age games and watching mark mcguire uh we we have pretty much every card printed from 1985 to 1995 that's also the junk wax era where their, every single print run was hundreds and hundreds, and hundreds <laughs> right. of thousands so he has thousands of cards worth four dollars exactly, exactly. <laughs> you should come to my basement i think we have exactly the same cards yeah no <laughs> and it's cool because like my dad i remember my dad always saying oh like my mom would give us crap about yo you bought more cards and my dad's like this is gonna pay for blake's college don't worry don't worry <laughs> and you know she did there's definitely like some i told you so with that as well she's like no but she uh was always like patient and gave us a spot in the garage or wherever we were living at the time like these boxes moved with us across the country moved to florida for a few like for like 10 years back to california still have them all so like when i got the tops project i went into the garage and busted out these cards and it's fun because a lot of the cards in project 2020 fall into the set you know the 87 mcguire's in there the 91 frank thomas 
uh, Ken Griffey, like all, all those cards are all within the era where we collected. So I fell out of the hobby for decades. I mean, I'm 35 now. And uh, when I got into this project and I started talking about, oh yeah, I used to collect cards with my dad and you know, I haven't collected in so long, but these are the players I like, these are the teams I like. People in the hobby just started sending me. They're like, hey, we wanna get you back into collecting again. Here's, you know, here's a card for your PC. Here's a box of cards. Here's some packs to open. And I mean, we're at the point now, like every Monday on the live stream, we do mail Mondays and we just open stuff from fans. And sometimes it's stuff that they want me to sign and send back, which I'm happy to do. Sometimes it's just uh, gifts, whether it's for me or now, like people are getting to know everybody on the team. Cause like the hobby's like a family. So like people mm -hmm. will send a special, uh, you know, a Mo yeah. Vaughn card and it's written, you know, it's got a post-it that says this one's for Andy. And then they send right. a this one's for Matt, right? Yeah. Exactly. They send the Glabers and they send the Don Mattingly's for, uh, for Tony and they send me the Mark McGuire's. So like, it's so cool that the hobby's just like embracing like that. And I do think that like the art angle beyond like just the quick cash, you know, pick the best horse, the art angle is interesting because it also brings in a new crowd of, art collectors like my art collectors have never been able to purchase a art print of mine for $20 before and now all of a sudden they can and so I'm getting all these art collectors interested and a lot of them collected like me baseball cards as a kid they're getting back into the hobby and you know if you look at like the mindset of an art collector or a baseball card collector um, there are both like they're both the same type of people they love they love collecting they love kind of the story that they assign to a specific card or a piece of art more so than the art itself sometimes and also in the art world, there are flippers too. There are people that are invest in art to resell. So we see like those people coming over and crossing over into the sports card world. So it's just like, I mean, the project is so well, perf like so perfectly timed. I think with just everything that's going on in the world, it's like- You don't even know the half of the timing of it, right? Cause I got two kids at home who don't have school during this Corona, right? And you know, they, they, they did their Zoom stuff, you know, hopefully it's better next time around, but, it, and, and they basically did 15, 20 minutes worth of work hope the teachers don't listen to this, but what a joke you guys are. But in any event, right? It's a, yeah. And then they're like, dad, what do I do the rest of the time? My yeah. son, who is a sport lunatic, like, you know, he, he have, he's seven years old and he'll, he'll name you anybody who's on any team, the sports from cards from collecting with me, yeah. right? But he yeah. saw your stuff. He saw the Project 2020. And, and you know what I said to him? I go, let me print you up a card. And he's like, print up this one for me. So I don't know if you can see so well. That's a Zion that he did yeah. seven years old. Oh, dude, that's cool. amazing. Right, seven years old. He, and he posted this. He, I, I put an Instagram up account for him. Ian's card review is the Instagram Love account. They put up that people were messaging him to buy them. Yeah. Like $5 each, $15 each. You know, it, it, there's a trout that he did That's seven so years cool. old, you know, and then somebody asked him to do a Giannis. He sold this to somebody for $15. Wow. You know, it was like cool stuff. That is because he saw the project 2020 and because we opened them up and he's like, I can do my own. I can do project 2020. That's so it's a budding artist, you know, hey, my, what about your daughter who made yeah. our, who made our graphic, the Lucas tigers and bronze yeah, graphic. My daughter drew that. Yep. 11, 11 years old. So it's fun. I mean like the art, the cards, it's all intertwined, right? It's all, you know, it's all. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, you probably have, I'm sure my kids are not the only one, but you probably spurred a new, a new generation of artists with a sport art collaboration. Yeah, I hope so. And you gave them something to do while they're home instead of bothering me. Yeah. You, Blake, <laughs> you brought up one of my favorite topics. And this is where Kate, well, Cage and I banter all the time. Uh, we have a lot of similarities, a lot of differences. On card autos, this man, Cage, dislikes them. Really? To say modestly, I love them. I think they're art. And sure. over you two guys, I have a hunch what you guys feel about that. But I'd love to hear what you think about on card autos. Yeah, I, I like them. 
I'm, I'm a fan. Um, I do like from a practical standpoint of like, I mean, I just finished signing 800 trout cards over the last four days. It takes a lot, a lot of time signing, waiting for it to dry, flip it, number it. Uh, I put like a special UV code on the back of each one with the UV pen for authenticity. Um, and so like, it's a very time consuming process. Uh, from a, me just signing, I would love to just sign a whole roll of stickers and give it to someone else and have them put a, put a big <laughs> auto on my cards. But like, personally, I just think the on-card auto is cool. Also now with Project 2020, it's something really the first time it really happened was with Ted Williams, where I actually ended up with a spot on the card that I'm like, oh, like I should put something there. And then I'm like, oh wait, this is a perfect spot for an auto. So like there's this kind of blank, small corner. But the other ones, I was never designing the card with the autograph in mind. And so there are some cards where I think the autograph fits better or is easier to see. Um, but I think the Ted Williams one's gonna be fun because there kind of is like a specific spot for it. So here's my take, Andrew, just so that Blake doesn't think I don't want him signing cards. Your cards are art. Sure. Artists are supposed to sign their art. Sure. And I think that's a great thing that you're doing, not just for free, but for sale and you name it, and the colored versions, the UV coding, you name it. But Okay. Above your right shoulder, you think yeah. I can't see it. You got yeah. a couple of Maguires. You got the 87 yeah. tops, and I see an 85 yeah. tops right there. I don't know if it's a Tiffany card. I don't know. If it's you know, it's a it's a it's a cool card. Obviously, one of your favorites, right? So you got that's yeah. autographed. How about the 85? You got that autographed too? Uh, I do, but that one's in California. Right. So so yeah. you have this card on you right now, right? Yep. Let's call it the Tiffany one. The tops Tiffany from 85 PSA 10 card selling for five thousand dollars now, right? Yeah. Gorgeous card. You happen to walk past Mark McGuire on the street, all right? And all you have is a samurai sword and that 85 tops Tiffany. (laughs) What are you having him sign? Uh, I mean, it's Randy Jackson. You're not going to not get Randy Jackson's signature, right? I'm here. No, I just want to hear the answer. But also, it's like you're asking me about Mark McGuire and Mark McGuire is my boy and, like, I would have – him sign anything I could. And like, I would never sell Mark McGuire stuff. So I don't care if it takes, if it's a PSA 10 Tiffany that's worth five grand, if I can get him to sign it, if that like takes the value down on the secondary market, doesn't matter to me. Because you're not selling it. It's the story behind it. Um, But But if you had two of them, if you had the 87 tops with you and he said, I'm gonna sign one, you're gonna sign the lesser card, right? uh, No way, I'll sign the Tiffany. No, really? Okay. Thank you. To me, me, the baseball card. Yeah, the card collectible. I'm the collector. So, uh, so let I'm me ask him, right? So what if what if the same thing with Sammy Sosa walks up on the street, right? You know, that's Maguire's nemesis, although they, you know, they became pretty friendly. Kind of, I think to me, like Sam, like I equate them to the same it's the same joy, it's the same memories. So like I would do the same thing with Sammy. Now, um I'm trying to think of like a card that I would like flip. Uh I can give you an example if you want, Blake, real quick. Sure. Yeah. So there's this iconic card in the NBA. It's the 1980 Topps Larry Bird Irving Magic Johnson card. Okay. Right? Yep. So is that a PSA a rookie card or something? It's a rookie card, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a pretty iconic card. It's the three yeah. of them. I think you could actually rip it, right? It's At the time, yes. You could rip it. It's three, three, three little cards onto one card, and it's got Julius Irving as a scoring king, you know, a scoring leader in the middle, and it's got Magic Johnson and Larry Bird as their first card together, three of them. Think right. about like an 82 yeah, Topps rookie where there's three pictures, it's one of those. Go ahead. Yeah. So the PSA eight of that card sells for forty six hundred five thousand. The card autographed by all three of those guys sells for two thousand, and it's an impossible card to sell. And that to me defies all logic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't defy logic because 
there are so few high grade of that rookie card, you name it. And I say a card like that, you autograph it and you have now, you've taken away from an artifact. Mm -hmm. You've now written on a card. Now it's great. I would autograph that card. If I had the chance to get those three autographs on a card, I would do it on a lower grade example. I think it's a cool thing to have, but a high grade card, there's just so few of them out there that I think the autograph it, and a lot of people love to have the autograph on a higher grade card. But for me, and I have a PSA nine of that card. So don't even think about what that's where. Would you want to hear what Blake has to say about it? Yes, I do. I think I would get it autographed. Oh. But again, because like, I just, I have that collector mentality where like the things mean more to me than what the dollar value is. And if I, if I had the opportunity to get those three autographs, that would be an awesome fucking story. And money comes and goes, but stories like those just stay forever. That's the yeah. Most- I don't know. I, I think that's me like collecting is just all about the stories. And I don't know. I, I think there probably are examples. I, I, I can't think of any off, off top, but like there probably are examples where I might not get an autograph because of a financial opportunity. But like I said, I can't think of any because. So here's my, my capper on this, right? Yeah. You're both wrong and I don't care. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> okay, let me ask you, let's just shift gears. What's, what's 2030 look like for you? Oh. 2030 look like for me? Yeah, as an artist, you're young. You're 35 years old. Yeah. By the way, before you answer, he asked that a different way because we just had Buster on yeah. last week and he was the episode yesterday and he said, hey, Buster, tell me what 10 years from now looks like for you. And Buster says, it looks like 2030. You're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked it in a way. Where, yeah. I like that. Um, man, to be honest, like, In a way, like I don't think that far ahead. Um, I've kind of, uh, I got this thing where I think that when people make these long-term goals, they get really, uh, they kind of lose the focus on like the daily efforts of, of the tiny little micro steps. It's really easy to say, oh, I want to be, you know, a billionaire and I want to have X, Y, and Z uh, or accomplish, uh, you know, I want to win a Nobel Peace Prize or something like that. It's like, well, what can I do today to even get close to that? That seems so far and out of reach. And so like, I'll typically be setting like three month goals, six month goals, sometimes 12 month goals. So I'm looking at 2021, trying to get another project with tops uh, and or another card company. I'd love to do basketball with Panini. I think it would be a lot of fun. And I think that tops project 2020 set the blueprint that that Mm -hmm. will be possible. Um, Honestly, beyond that, I mean, there's no like 10 year goal. It's more like a life goal. Like I want to inspire other people to like follow, do what they makes them happy. It doesn't, if it makes it makes a bunch of people become artists, that's awesome. If it makes a bunch of people uh, go become whatever, like biologists, like whatever, whatever makes them super happy. Like I would love to be able to inspire as many people to do that. That's not something where I'm like, oh, by 10 years from now, I want to inspire a million people. It's just like on a daily basis, I want to encourage as many people as they can to just like enjoy their life. And, uh, you know, jobs or careers are like so much of our time basically just like working and sleeping is where we spend most of our time. So if you can make the working part fun, it makes life a lot more fun. So yep. uh, I yeah, love it. Andrew. It doesn't really we, answer your question, but no, it does. It hundred percent. I was going to ask you what you want to do next, but I mean, Andrew's great. I'll, I'll shut up and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question. I'd love to hear it. Right. So there are a lot of people listening to this. We have a, a, a pretty diverse audience, yep. but people do like to hear the success story that you are right. And we, we bring a lot of people on who, and we talked about this in the beginning, 
they don't follow the traditional, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to put my suit and tie on every day, and I'm going to go yep. to work, right? We, and, and it's great to have people like you on who tell people that there is another path, right? Yep. But what I like to also get out of people like you is you're 35, and yep. you had that Barcelona 30-year-old, I'm going to buy you know uh, the art set, and all of a sudden, Tops is calling me. It didn't yep. happen like that, right? I mean, right. you know, there, so is there something you tried to do that, you know, you fell on your face? Is there some, you know, some, you know, some story you can give to our guys? Because there are people who are going to try this. There are people who are going to go out yeah. there and they're going to do this stuff. And they yeah. need to know that you didn't come back from Barcelona and Tops was on your voicemail saying, right. hey, by the way, we know you bought paint. So yeah. come make baseball cards for us. Yeah. So I think that the part of the story, and it's not even necessarily a failure, but it is something that I think a lot of people resist doing sometimes and they shouldn't, um, is working for free. So I've always, since I started painting full time, I've kind of been in the mindset of like, there's really only two price points for my art. Number one, it's full price and it's not cheap because I value my art and I value my time and it's just, it's worth what I think it's worth. I'm not gonna discount that. On the flip side of that, I will either work for full price retail expensive or I'm free. And because I don't want people to, you know, if I have a $2,000 painting and I say, oh, I'll sell it to you for 200 bucks, they're going to value it at 200 bucks. If I tell people this is a $2,000 painting, don't worry about it. I'm doing this for free. They still value it at $2,000. Um, working for free. And this goes for artists. It also goes for other industries can get your feet. You know, it brings opportunities that you could never foresee. And so I can trace back, Everything that's led me to tops, I can work backwards in how this is how this has happened with free paintings. I did a free painting for Howie Mandel, uh, you know, iconic uh, dude. That was actually the first painting that my parents were like, really, they were like, "Wow, we know Howie, like that's so cool." You're painting for him. <laughs> to meet him. I did a free painting for him uh, just to get exposure. Super nice guy. Uh, also loved the art, which is awesome. Uh, he introduced me. Uh, is actually his his manager introduced me to Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars. Rick is actually a very big art collector. So I said, hey, I'll do a painting for Rick as long as I can go to Vegas, deliver it in person. <laughs> I do a painting for Rick for free. And obviously in between these, I'm also doing paid work. Like I'm still staying busy, but like I, this is the path that has led me to tops. I did this for free while in Vegas. I met this guy named Jared Faison, who is an ex NFL player. Now he manages NFL players. He loved my work. He said, man, you should really get into sports. Uh, how about this? paint three of my clients for free. I'm going to have them promote you like crazy. Their teammates are going to start buying your work and uh, it's going to be great for you. I was like, okay, screw it. Let's do it. Did three paintings. CJ Anderson was my first one. Uh, as soon as I gave CJ a free painting, he bought a painting for $5,000. That was the most I'd ever sold a painting for. Like literally same day. He's like, that one's dope. Let me buy another. I'm like, great. So this, that got me encouraged to like, oh, sports are great. And the reason why is because these guys have the resources to pay full price. They have amazing photographs online of them doing incredible physical feats that turn into dope photos and they're inherently competitive. So when one guy gets a painting, the next guy wants a bigger painting and the next guy wants two paintings. And so that led me into the sports world. I played lacrosse in college. So when the PLL, which is the premier lacrosse leagues was started by Michael and Paul Rabel, I reached out to them and said, Hey, congratulations on starting your own pro lacrosse league. Let me do a couple paintings for the office. I'll do it for free. They're normally $2,000 each. They say, of course, that's dope. They put them up in the office. Jeff Heckman, who's the leader of Project 2020, is a big lacrosse fan. He's, he's following them. He sees the art that's in their office. It's in all their videos. He reaches out to me on my email and says, hey, we want to get you in this project. So it's like, I can trace, and, and I can tell you this, Project 2020 has been life-changing. I have, like, before this, 
with COVID, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my studio rent. I'm going to have to downsize, uh, you know, because athletes aren't playing or they're, they don't know where their income's coming from. And instead, I was able to, I've expanded. I have bought, gotten two more studio spaces. I have like seven employees, uh, four of them here part-time, or four of them here in-house full-time, three part-time. Um, it's been an absolutely life-changing experience. And I can literally trace it back to like working for free, like five times in a row, which is, which is so crazy to me. So that's like, again, it's not falling in your face, but it's like, I was willing to do that for a long fucking time. Sorry, sorry to swear. A long <laughs> time of free work can pay off in ways that you would just never expect. Like when I painted Howie, I didn't know that that was going to turn into tops, but like it literally, it did. Like, literally did, which is so cool. And now you got to meet me. Which yeah, is the yeah. really highlight of your year. Uh, <laughs> on your question, um, because you know I I run Blake's finances. It's my job, and I feel like nobody knows this guy better than me right now. And um, I think to touch on your question, there's not like everyone sees the glamour and the end result, and and nobody see it's it's really it's not very pretty, really. Um, like the amount of risks this guy has taken just to follow his dream. It's crazy. It, it's like, it's so inspiring to me. And I think it's so cool. Um, and it's really something I think a lot of people like should learn from and, and not really forget about, right? Like it's- Someday we'll post all my overdraft charges. Yeah, you know, like um, <laughs> basically, it, it really, it really is wild. And it just, you know, it just like goes to show for like young kids, like no matter how hard it gets, like you have a dream and a goal like you just keep pushing and it's gonna it's gonna get really scary but like if you believe in yourself like he does like it's gonna happen and i think that's that really is like the whole story and i think like, it's so cool drew um first off i believe in you you know we, we met a year and a half ago i believe in you and something blake said and the way you approached him right you're like blake i'll work for you i'll sweep your floors i'll work for free just give me an back, give me a shot, right? Right. How cool is that? You know, like attracts like. And I'm yeah. interested, as you you saw the before, the during, the after, and I, I hope you guys stay together for a long time. Tell me more about that. You know, Blake, like what is it like? And this is a kind of a question for both of you. What is it like now that you you're an artist, but now you're also a leader? You have employees under you, right? You have you have all of these other aspects of your life that you also have to learn as well as creating the art. What's that been like? People coming to you to work for free. It's a little change. Yeah. yeah <laughs> no, I mean, it's, uh, it's awesome. I think like in terms of like, you know, Andy and I have known each other for a couple of years now and he would come into the studio nights and weekends. Uh, it was always fun to have him around and, and work on projects. And, and I, there's a handful of people like that, that I, I've gravitated to them or they've gravitated to me be through this kind of shared interest in art. And so they come by the studio that doesn't happen so much anymore because we have staff and we're just like working all the time. But even before when I didn't have so much going on, like there were always people coming by uh, to paint just because they enjoyed it. I, I loved having my friends over for like wine and paint nights. And I have like, you know, like overalls and like shoe covers and I'd get like random people that have never painted. I'd get them all decked out hand them some paint like in a cup and just have them like splash it like on a canvas like it's so it's so like therapeutic mm -hmm. so like in that sense i've always loved like i guess like mentoring people on the art side of things now it's like it's the same type of thing with the employees except they're also getting paid uh and like we have i mean it's just like you get more 
successful, if you want to say it, and the problems get bigger, um, which isn't a bad thing. It just, uh, it's the reality. So like now all of a sudden, uh, like when it might be like, I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for rent this month. Now it's like, oh shit, I don't know how I'm going to pay a vendor like $20,000 this Friday. And um, <laughs> sounds like a biggie uh, song. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it's, it's true. It's, it's crazy. And so fortunately, uh, especially on the money side, which I think is, you know, I can, uh, I can admit my weaknesses is one of my definitely uh, financial uh, responsibility is not my strongest too. And so, you know, having someone like Andy, Andy was the first like full-time W2 employee and it couldn't have been like a better choice because like he literally fills in a lot of the gaps that I'm uh, lacking. And so I think that we make a, a good team. Yeah. I would be remiss not to show you. So my sister's my best friend. She's 10 years younger, but awesome. she's a painter. Dope. Yeah. Hopefully one time we could come to New York and paint with Absolutely. you. You're welcome anytime. But, but you're Where right. You, it's so therapeutic for her. It is. He's in Where Philly. Okay, Philly. Oh, that's not far. No, I was living in Brooklyn, but then COVID was, I needed more space. Of course. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you guys are welcome whenever. I can't paint for shit. And nobody can <laughs> until they do. That's good. It's a good one. By the yeah. way, there's the, t- there's the title of your episode. Yeah, so nobody can, nobody until, can they until they do. They I, love I love that. I know I have just two last questions. Cage, yeah. anything top of mind, anything you want to bring up, anything that you know, we haven't covered that, that you might want to bring up? No, I mean, listen, I want to thank you for you know being generous with your time, obviously. I mean, it's amazing what you do with your fans. It's amazing how you're just basically – 1023 every night you're there and something different and you know the accessibility is crazy but i would tell everybody who's listening to this if you haven't checked out his website yet we mentioned it once do it one more time for me yeah proathleteportraits.com proathleteportraits.com check him out he does these really cool like uv the colored autos of this stuff i mean i'm gonna go on and grab a couple also you know my my son has his favorites so we're gonna we're gonna get some autograph versions of them um but yeah i mean it's really just a thank you on it and um you know you kind of touched on it I may put you on a spot. You're going to hate me, but because it's competing companies, if you could tell me your dream project, next one up, right. Would yeah. it be doing hockey for upper deck? Would it be doing a basketball project for, for prism? Would you try to stay with tops for loyalty purposes and do yeah. something else? Baseball? Like, you know, so, so here's the thing. And I've learned this in painting for pro athletes over the last uh, three, four years is I paint for an athlete. CJ Anderson, for example, when I painted for him, first portrait ever, he was on the Broncos. Uh, I went to Denver uh, to drop off art. Went to he he took us to a Broncos game. I I got all my Broncos gear. I was like, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan because CJ is the man. And I also have family there, but you know, Broncos are cool. And then he gets traded to the Panthers. And I'm like, you know what? Screw the Broncos. I like the (laughs) Panthers. And so like I would follow the player more than the team, right? And so I look at that the same way in terms of asking what my next project would be. And I would tell you that I would love to do another project with Jeff Heckman. And so if Jeff, I mean, I don't anticipate Jeff going anywhere, so he's with tops, but if Jeff left tomorrow and went to Panini, I would want to go and work with Panini because it's really been, he's been a pleasure to work with. I know that tops has had, uh, you know, its own issues, like you mentioned with like the shipping times and stuff. And Jeff is kind of the, uh, the face of that and bears the brunt of, of some of that negativity uh, or negative feedback. But the project was bigger than anybody ever thought. Nobody thought that they were going to yep. print 100,000 cards of Ken Griffey by Keith Shore or 75,000 cards of mine by Mike Trout. So the cases really were the, the, choke, the bottleneck. That's now, to my knowledge, been solved. They have 
a, a million cases in the in-house. So like we, we just got shipping of card 100. I just got a shipping notification of card 108. So they've shipped eight cards this week, which is granted, they still have a lot long way to go to catch up, but that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, that's the long-winded answer of it's not really, it's not brand loyalty, it's people loyalty. And so I'd like to continue working with people that I work well with and enjoy working with. CJ Anderson's story is, is amazing. Um, one of my favorite podcasts I listened to was David Meltzer and mm-hmm. CJ Anderson, and it's uh, Trusting the Detour to the Super Bowl 53, I think. Okay. And Todd Gurley, I think, went down and they needed yep. to pick CJ Anderson. Yep. Amazing dude, high character guy. Yep. I wish the Rams had won that one. I wanted it. <laughs> I wanted I'm it. it. Um, <laughs> What do you think? I forget of who I bet on. I might have wanted the Rams to win too. <laughs> what do you think of Banksy? What do I think of Banksy? Yeah, I know it's kind of open-ended and very vague. Sure. He's, sure. he's such an interesting guy in this space. Absolutely. Or, or uh, team. I don't even know if he's a guy or a team. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Could. Yeah, definitely. Um, polarizing, which is great. And I think like I, I try at least right now in my – art career to kind of stay out of like politics and that's just a personal choice of mine it doesn't mean that i don't have an opinion it just means that i don't i don't have the platform yet to uh i don't know i think push it in the same way that he can and i think that it's really cool when artists do get that type of uh, attention and platform to use it to talk about those type of issues and i think that like at some point in my art career maybe i will get there and and that'll be something that I want to do right now, especially in sports. Like if I, there are certain things that I could, that I, views that I might share or have that would like turn off half of my collectors. Uh, and, and I'm trying not, you know, I'm trying to avoid that for right now. So overall, I think that Banksy's awesome. I also think that he has almost single-handedly brought graffiti and street art into the gallery, the Sotheby's, the fine art crowd. And the fine art crowd finally now respects graffiti and not just thinking of it as like hooligans, like defacing buildings. Now they're like, oh, this is actually can be fine art. And so in that space, in that sense, like I'm very grateful because I'm definitely more on the, you know, I'm not classically trained. I don't have any formal training at all in art. And I'm definitely inspired by like street art and graffiti. So the fact that like, because of what Banksy and Shepard Ferry have done, I feel like the crossover to the fine art world is like, it's not out of the question that I could sell a painting for half a million dollars someday. Um, that didn't used to be possible before someone like Banksy or Shepard Ferry really kind of paved that way for the rest of us. I love it. I love how um, good artists make you ask questions, right? They, they shed a light on a topic and then yep. give you the opportunity to kind of choose a side. Yep. Uh, what do you see for the hobby, just in more general, the sports card hobby, you know, for the next six to 12 months? Oh man. Well, I think first, I guess we'll, we'll do project 2020. Um, I know that we're kind of in, we're in this halfway point in project 2020, the print runs are not as high as they were. The secondary market prices are not as high as they once were. But I think that once we get into the final stretch, maybe the final 50 cards and people really start to see what the full set's going to look like. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are decide last minute to try and get a full set and they're going to be trying to fill gaps. And so I actually think that these cards that are coming out now with lower print runs, we're going to see quite a secondary market price surge, I, I hope. Um, I think there's also 
you know, I, I do know that there's a lot of people in the card community that maybe are not aware of Project 2020 or they kind of write it off as like a flash in a pan thing. But I think that like long term, when people look back on this, they're going to see that, that it really was an important, important set in like the history of collecting cards. Uh, I think that in the future, there's going to be other, whether it's other brands trying to do kind of spinoff concepts. Um, I would love to see, I would, and I would love to see that happen. I think that that'll only help kind of solidify the fact that like this kind of blend of art and cards is important and is something that people want. Um, it's also interesting, like this is like the, we'll say the cutting edge of sports cards. And then there's like the vintage cards, which, you know, there's some purists that only want to collect vintage cards or only collect PSA cards because then, you know, like the true, how many exist in the world. Um, I don't really know. I don't know enough about the card industries across the board to know like how, Project 2020 will affect that type of market. I think um, the card industry has to attract like young, young people to like survive. And I think that the art, this art angle is going to have a better chance at doing that than like, you know, kids trying to get a, a 53 mantle card or whatever. It's just like, it's so, it seems so like out of. Uh, That's so Katie's favorite card. Yeah. That's awesome. It is. Yeah. I mean, listen, but that's because you I'm met, old. You met Mantle in New York and he got it signed. So no, I don't. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that I would not do. I would not I would do. Totally do that. So it's funny. Obviously a Yankee guy, right? So I'm going to do like a little rapid fire. I never did this with any guests. So you may hate me, but right. Yeah. Judge Aaron judge injury prone or not. I see. That's why I'm asking. You got the judge shirt on. Is he injury prone or not? Uh, honestly, I don't know. So this is like, you got it right off the top of your head. I don't want you thinking too much about these things. Ready? All right. All right. I hope not. He better be in the lineup today. That's all I'm saying. I haven't looked yet, but you know, this whole rest him. it's 50 games. How much rest does he need? I guess he's a big body. He gets hurt. Ready? Dude. All right. So that, that, that's one, two, keep or fire. You got to keep one fire one, Matt Costello or Andy. Go. God. Uh, sorry, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you're gone. All right. Sure. Mariano. The Sean Mariano uh, Rivera, does it piss you off or not that they are the only one that has more print run than you? Be honest. Uh, well, it's the, it's the Shore Griffey. Shore but, Griffey, uh, excuse me, Shore Griffey. Uh, it doesn't because I still think that I can beat it. I still have Ooh. Griffey to go. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for the whole project. I think it's good for the project. That was a huge print run, just under 100,000. That's going to be tough, no, man. No. I, mean, I, wanted to crack a, I wanted to be the first one to crack 100, and – I'm glad that Keith left me just enough room to do it. Yeah, I, well, I think you're probably right. I'm, I'm going to go back to my rapid fire in a second because I got one more question for you. But I think yeah. you're, you're probably right that that we're only halfway done, right? I mean, we're only halfway yeah. done with the 400, you know? Yeah. So yeah. some of these lower print runs now, they're the low print run guys. It used to be grotesque Vegeta. Now it's not anymore. I mean, some of these, they're, when people pick this back up again after mm-hmm. 300 and they're trying to complete the set, they're going to have to go back into this little lull here and they're yep. going to be tougher to get. So I think you're probably on to something. Next, Gary V. Good for the hobby or bad? Great for the hobby. Yeah? Why? Uh, because he's, a, he's a, a voice that's heard by a lot of people, and he's polarizing. Just like love art. the polarizing like, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, I love it. And, and, I mean, I love Gary, and I love his take, and I love, like, what he's doing. I think it's awesome. I love it. Because, you know, we, we, we give daily tips. I've recommended Tyler Hero, like, 16 times over the last <laughs> month. He's yeah. tripled in value. I recommended buying Shaq cards. They've gone up in value. Mookie bets. Yeah. This is not something that I want people to flip. I want them to have some collecting items, something that they'll remember 2020 about from a positive standpoint. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, this is this artwork. Project twenty twenty is twenty twenty. I mean, it's perfect. I will look back at these cards and remember COVID. I'll remember the crazy wild ride that was Project twenty twenty on the secondary market. I'll remember all these artists. I'll and it it really is. I mean, it, they couldn't have done it like better than. It's just this is a microcosm of the right. year. Right? It's great stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Like, where could they follow you? And Andrew was Andy as well. Yeah, sure. So Twitter is at Blake Jamison, J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. Uh, that's probably the easiest spot if you want to get my attention or have a question. I respond to everybody, all DMs um, and tweets. Uh, my Instagram is athlete.portraits. And then my website is proathleteportraits.com. And the YouTube where they can find you at 1023 oh, at night? <laughs> YouTube.com slash Blake Jamison. Yeah, easy enough. Easy to remember. Andy, yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter and Instagram as at Andy Choi. Um, and then I also have a, another Instagram account with my autograph collection. Uh, I do a lot of uh, celebrity and movie poster autographs, and that's uh, random underscore autographs. His Ben Stiller one is top notch. Probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's and Andrew Choi, C-H-O-I. O-A-I. 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 My apologies. Oh, good. Guy. Thank you guys so much. Have an amazing weekend. I, I really appreciate it. We yeah. really and before we say uh, goodbye on this episode listen interact with us right i mean if you check out our twitter feeds or our or our our, our insta feeds you know somebody says hello somebody says i'm looking for this i'm likely to just give it away for free thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the lucas tigers and bronze oh my podcast um do us a favor and like subscribe now you know what don't just like and subscribe everybody does that if you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.